Hello, and welcome to this edition of Ask About the ADA podcast. I am Joe Zeski, the program manager of the Northeast ADA Center. And today, we're going to continue our conversation that we began a little while ago with the technical assistance team of the Northeast ADA Center, Jennifer Perry and Christopher Sweet. Both are back with us again, as well as Grace Fairchild, our student worker, to lead the conversation. This week, we're going to look more at what is technical assistance and what that means to us in terms of what we provide to the public when they reach out to us with questions about the ADA Center. Grace, why don't you continue the conversation? Thanks, Joe. So first of all, what is technical assistance? Joe, can you start? Sure. Well, technical assistance can sound a little more complicated, but sort of how I think of it, it's about getting accurate information. A lot of times, understanding what the Americans with Disabilities Act is can be more complicated than people realize. And sometimes people just don't know, like, does the law apply to me or does it apply in this situation? Or, you know, sometimes there's particular information that they need about the law. And so, for me, technical assistance is our chance to educate people and help them to be better uh, self-advocates and uh, to be more knowledgeable about their rights or responsibilities. Chris or Jen, do either of you want to address that? Yeah, I, I can go. So, yeah, I mean, for me, providing technical assistance really, you know, can be very broad-based where we start delving into topics um, that can be very complicated um, and can be uh, a little gray. It's not always black and white. And so it really is just making sure that we have a, a good base understanding of how the ADA is applicable to the stakeholders that are giving us a call. Um, but then again, some calls can be very, very basic. Um, and, and I know Jen can speak to, I don't want to steal her thunder, but Jen can speak to things like how wide is a doorway? Um, but then we could get into other things about state and local government issues. Uh, a lot of things, uh, especially under employment, which um, just runs the, the gamut of everything. How about you, Jen? Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, our, our role is to educate and to uh, to make the ADA more understandable, I guess, um, is, is, is a good way to, to phrase it. As Chris and, and Joe both said, some questions are very complicated, and our role is to try to make it less complicated, um, to try to use plain language and explain as best as we can um, what the ADA regulations require. Um, in some instances, as Chris said, our, our answers are very clear. In, in other instances, they are not. So trying to make those issues more understandable for wide array of stakeholders um, certainly is something that we are very proud of. We get calls from professionals, um, you know, including uh, professions such as attorneys, architects, code officials, and we also speak to a lot, in fact, our, our primary audience are individuals with disabilities who have questions or there are family members of people with disabilities that have questions. We have to be able to provide um, technical assistance to all of these stakeholders. Uh, so we certainly speak to a diverse group, and we really pride ourselves on providing that technical assistance and tailoring it to the caller that we're speaking to. Something that we also try to do, um, just building on what you're saying, Jen, is that it, when we provide as a center uh, technical assistance, 
we try to make sure that being responsive is built into our process. I think you touched on that a little bit. And for us, that means that one, generally we answer the phone when you call, unless um, we are on the telephone currently. And uh, if you have to leave a voicemail, we uh, make every effort to return it as soon as possible. And, you know, I think being responsive and being a place that people can go to for information is part of what makes technical assistance from Northeast ADA something that you may not find at every organization you reach out to. Yeah, and I, I think I would just add um, that our technical assistance really intersects with a lot of other laws or a lot of other mm-hmm. issues. And, and one example, just being Jennifer's uh, knowledge of uh, New York City building codes, which intersects with uh, the ADA or goes above and beyond that. And so um, we all need to have a good understanding, especially within our region specific, of you know other human rights laws or other building codes and different things that sort of go along hand in hand with the ADA. That's true. And it's also about referring out if we don't know the answer, if it's not an ADA question or a question that we have in-house expertise on that you know, we could really give legitimate good information on. We refer people to other places that can, um, that should be able to provide the information that they need if we don't know. Um, and that happens because a lot of times when people call us, they might assume that the ADA applies to everything when it doesn't actually. And so there'll be cases where we say, well, you actually need to talk to someone in a fair housing department, or you need to talk to someone who knows more about this specialty or that specialty. And we refer people out. So we're you know, honest in terms of what we know and what we don't know. And so how do you keep track of changing interpretations via litigation or um, maybe even the unenforceable standards that Jen was mentioning. How do you keep track of those changes to um, the world of ADA knowledge? It's an ongoing process. And there's a couple things. First, in terms of litigation, they can be useful sources of information, but unless something is before the Supreme Court, you know, you can't necessarily reference it as being fully authoritative. And as a technical assistance team, we can let people know that this court, this second court reached this decision, but a person has to understand that it only applies in that particular district and that it could be further litigated. So it's not, it's not the end all and be all interpretation necessarily. Um, there's certainly a lot of guidance that's available from the different federal agencies that enforce the ADA. I, I mentioned the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission earlier. Um, the Department of Justice is another large one, Department of Transportation. number of different federal agencies have enforcement powers, and they generally provide guidance in different forms, so sometimes through manuals that are available online. Um, also, a lot of different resources and documents that are available. And oftentimes, you can sort of track recent developments on ADA.gov, which is a really good go-to resource. But it's also a matter of, for us of uh, being on top of different news sources, 
for the latest developments or perhaps coming trends through our professional knowledge and networks um, and different organizations that we may uh, belong to. And so it's, uh, it's a process of gathering and sorting through the information to find uh, the wheat from the chaff, to use an old expression, to sort out what is good, uh, reliable information um, that might update or change something new versus what could be just background noise. Interesting. So my final question today is, what do you wish that everyone knew about the ADA? Um, we'll start with Jen. Oh, Lord, what do I wish everyone knew? Um, well, I'll kind of speak from from my focus area here. Um, and one of the things that gets a lot of people into trouble in terms of physical accessibility is not realizing that there are many, as I said earlier, firm and fast requirements for accessibility. So people might pour a sidewalk and think, well, that looks flat enough and wide enough, so we're ADA compliant. Um, what they fail to, to remember is that if that sidewalk has a slope in excess of 5%, if it's not at least 36 inches wide, um, if the cross slope exceeds 2%, then that's not ADA compliant. Um, so there are some, some very clear requirements that have to be applied um, that many people aren't aware. They, they think the ADA, when they think of the ADA, they certainly think of things like accessible parking spaces and a bigger toilet room or a bigger toilet stall. Um, but they don't realize that those dimensions are um, very technical. Um, you can't just build something big and say, well, this is accessible. So um, I guess, and that's kind of our job here, right, is to educate people that um, the ADA standards for, for design are there for a reason. Um, and when people often deviate from them, it, it essentially, the, the outcome is that people with disabilities might not have access to a lot of buildings and facilities. So um, not doing it right can very much adversely impact the lives of people with disabilities. So our goal is to educate people so that um, people with disabilities do have fair and equal access to the built environment. Chris? Yeah, so... You know, one of the things that has always struck me since I started working the, at the ADA Center is um, that people really don't know about the ADA until you need the ADA. Um, and so, yeah, you know, and so it's just, you know, and, and it's why I enjoy the job so much, reaching out to stakeholders, going to different conferences and trainings and whatnot to give people information so that they know more, um, you know, but you know, what I would like to see is that more people do have an understanding of uh, why the ADA was put into place, um, you know, and that's so that we have an, an integrative society where everybody gets to participate, um, you know, and there's there's so many layers and levels to that. Um, but I think, you know, when I talk to individuals outside of work and they ask what I do and and you know, I find that how many people know so little about the ADA. And I realized that how little I actually knew. So, um, so I think, you know, the, the big thing for me is that people understand that uh, the ADA touches every level of society, every aspect of society. Uh, you know, like Jen said, whether it's, you know, buildings or whether it's just so you can be gainfully employed and provide for your family or, 
uh, have access to programs and education and whatnot, um, that it is, uh, it is a very encompassing law that is about making sure we all uh, can participate. Good answer. And, sorry, go ahead, Joe. Sorry, Grace. And for me, I think um, what I would say is that I wish people understood that or understand that the answers that you might find in the ADA are not necessarily clear cut yes or no. They may be like there are times where there are very specific yes or no things. For example, in some of the language with the code, how wide must the door doorway be? You can find clear, concrete answers there. But a lot of times the answer to a question might be yes, but, or no, but, um, because the ADA is a law that really has to be understood or interpreted on a case-by-case basis. And I think in terms of technical assistance, that's something that we, we try to do is to help people understand how the ADA uh, applies to them specifically in a specific situation, in a specific circumstance. And um, I think understanding that the law has its general broad principles of equal opportunity, equal access, and integration. Um, but understanding how those apply to a person is, are, is very individual-based, uh, very individual-based. So um, I think that's you know part of what we do in terms of TA. Well, Joe, Jen, and Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Grace, thank you. And thank you again to Jen and Chris. If you're interested in submitting a question for Ask About the ADA, visit our website at northeastada.org. If you are also interested, follow us on social media at Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Look for Northeast ADA. Thank you for joining us.